So what do you talk about after dinner? Maybe in these days of separation and isolation, you're fortunate that if you can think of something new and creative to talk about at dinner, so that after dinner, you pretty much just plop down in your familiar spot and begin watching your favorite Netflix show or some other uh, presentation. Maybe you just plop down in your familiar spot and continue to read your engaging book, or maybe it's something else. What do you talk about after dinner? And if you live alone, maybe the question is, what do you think about after dinner? We have a passage today that comes from John chapter 14. It's a conversation after dinner. And it's not just after any dinner. It's after the last dinner that Jesus had with his disciples. We first read about this recently on Monday, Thursday, that Last Supper. Jesus is with the disciples, and then in the middle of the intimate setting, uh, Jesus stands up and wraps a towel around him, pours water, and kneels down and begins to wash the disciples' feet. This is the same night that Judas has already betrayed them, and this is what Jesus uh, does. Then after that dinner, there was more excitement, actually. Jesus said that other disciples will betray him. He told them, you're to love one another. And then he told them that Peter was going to deny him three times before the cock crowed. All of that happened after dinner. So imagine the conversation. Here it is. It's from John chapter 14, beginning at the first verse. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the place that I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we've already mentioned, today is Mother's Day, and many of us have mothers on our minds and in our hearts, maybe our own mothers, maybe it's the mothers with whom we share life or shared life. This can be a day of deep gratitude and celebration, as Roger alluded, for the way we were powerfully touched, perhaps, by our mothers and their courage and their fortitude and their faithfulness. Or maybe it's the mothers who continue to live with us, who inspire us with the ways they love and serve. This can also be a day of deep sadness. We miss our mothers. We grieve our mothers or maybe those mothers who, with whom we shared life and related so well to us. And then too, perhaps, 
our relationships with our mothers remains problematic. And we continue to struggle with what our mothers did or did not do. In these pandemic days, I've been having regular conversations, mostly after dinner, with my mother. She turned 90 in March. She remains in good health, and she remains well-connected to all five of her children and many of her grandchildren. She's pretty good at FaceTime, so we've discovered that after dinner is a good time to connect with my mother. So after dinner, we try to share something of the day, maybe talk about some local or national news, maybe lament further uh, the situation that we're in because she's now going on eight long weeks confined quarantine in her little apartment in her retirement community in North Carolina. But we connect and we share and we strive to nurture the deep love that we share. But that dinner between Jesus and his disciples in John 13 and the conversations after that dinner depicted so many troubling issues. Jesus knew that his hour had not come yet, as we read in chapter 13. He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be denied. He was going to be persecuted and killed. We know all of this. If everything is left up to us, or left up just to the church, or just to the church's leaders even, it doesn't look so great. Disciples, on their own, on our own, what do we do? Well, we tend toward betrayal and denial. We're pretty fickle. We can be quite failing and falling away. It's all very troubling, troublesome. So in a conversation after dinner, Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. He affirms that troubling times indeed come along. Yes, we know about troubling times. Too much so, even. After dinner, Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. It's interesting to note that the word heart here is singular. Not hearts, heart. Do not let your heart be troubled. That's how the Greek puts it. When we would expect a plural, it's singular, even though he's speaking to the plural, a group of disciples, and all the other objects of the verbs in this paragraph are plural, but not this one. Heart is singular. Do not let your heart be troubled. A community has a kind of communal heart. And it's not just a collection of individual hearts. A community's heart can either be troubled and anxious, but also trusting in God. A community's heart can be anxious and agitated, but also looking to be not so troubled. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Do not let your heart be so disheartened troubled. He means something like this. 
Life is difficult. Life is full of uncertainty. We cannot often trust each other. Even our familiar colleagues, Judas, betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. We cannot even trust ourselves sometimes. We fall apart. We get discouraged. Jesus knows this. So he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. God will carry you through. God is the one we trust. A present help in times of trouble. Jesus, in effect, says, do not give up. Troubled as you are, do not be too disheartened. Believe in God. Believe in me. Could there be any better word spoken from Jesus' heart to our hearts in these days for life, for faith, in a time of crisis? Could there be any more pertinent word? Do not let your heart, community heart, together be discouraged. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. So we stay connected. We keep trying to encourage each other. We keep trying to find life together, even with all of our challenges. We keep striving to support each other as best we can in these days. We pay attention to science. We take precautions. We listen to the experts. We keep striving to do the best we can. But finally, finally, we trust God. We trust God. We lean into God who holds us forever this is what Jesus is saying to discouraged and anxious disciples then and now. Community, people, put your trust in God's abiding care. Give your attention to God's light even amidst the darkness. You can almost imagine Jesus pleading lovingly right to you, right now, right in these moments urging us so caringly, attentively, take your eyes off yourselves. Take your eyes off your scary situation. God is real. God is at work. Our life, our problems, our whole world is held by God forever. Trust, believe, receive this today. And then Jesus says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. We often read these words at funerals, and we imagine in those moments when we are facing death that God prepares a place for us, a real place for us. That might be helpful. It might not be. Here's what I think Jesus seems to mean about a real place that he's preparing before we were born and way past the lives that we live, our life is with God, our dwelling place. God makes a home for us. It's not about rooms. It's not about mansions. It's about life enfolded in God's abiding forever care. God gives us a place to dwell always and forever and that never changes no matter what happens to us so when we feel troubled and when we need to be reminded of this again there's Jesus appearing and reminding us our home is always with God 
God makes a home for us and Jesus is pointing that direction to us. Our home is with God. This message comes page after page in Scripture. It's said in various and different ways. Once you were no people, now you're God's people. Once you were in the darkness, now you're in the light of God. This is what shapes us. This is what's meant to form us and feed us. Jesus is wanting the disciples. Jesus is wanting us to receive this message in these days. God's promises hold us. God never leaves us. Our lives are formed, held enfolded in the abiding love and care of God always. Good news of the gospel. In these crazy days, I've been reading a new book. And the book is entitled, You Are What You Love. With a subtitle, The Spiritual Power of Habit. The author, James Smith, makes the case that all of us as human beings are shaped by liturgies. Liturgies is kind of an old and a churchy word, but it has to do with the very practices, the very habits that form and shape our lives, the daily endeavors of our lives. So think about your daily practices, the regular endeavors of your life. And actually, I think many of these are being reconsidered in these interesting times as life has been so much changed. So perhaps these thoughts can be especially helpful, malleable today. Generally, we may wake up and drink coffee and eat breakfast and we may uh, read or listen or catch up on the news and maybe we do a crossword puzzle. Maybe we uh, do a little bit of daily devotion and then we move on and perhaps go to work, or at least we used to go to work. We do jobs that belong to us, and it might involve pets. It might involve children. It might involve parents. It might involve appointments, many meetings, whatever, as we go to work and carry out the day's duties and life and habits. Uh, We encounter people. We connect. We spend money. We make choices. Our lives are built around habits, liturgies, daily practices. We worry about finances. We carry around fears. We strive to adjust to the things that happen to us. We are inclined toward perhaps positive thoughts. Some of us are inclined toward negative thoughts. Everything we do has a way of forming us, shaping us. And here's the point. The things that shape us day in and day out reflect a great deal about what we love and about what we worship. But then Jesus comes along and Jesus seeks to counterform us, remake us, reshape us away from all those liturgies that we're actually so immersed in. Jesus comes along and seeks to shift us from so many of the practices that covertly capture our loves, our longings, that so easily guide us away from a wholesome life. Jesus is trying to regather, reshape, reform us for wholesome life, to be a 
disciple of Jesus is to become a student of the rabbi who teaches us how to love, how to trust God in the midst of confusion and chaos. To be with Jesus is to enroll our lives in a school of charity and truth. He's the way. He's the truth. The way toward the kingdom. He keeps showing us. To believe in Jesus is to have life resituated, reframed, reshaped, actually enfolded into God. God, the way, the truth, the life. Think about that for your life. Back to those conversations with my mother, especially on this Mother's Day. The longer I live, the more I realize where I learned to be enfolded in God and God's love and care. It was in my home, along with my siblings growing up, feeling the love and care of my mother. She has always been such a steady, loving, faith-filled presence, an encourager. And I realize what a gift this has been for my whole life. She always rooted her life in God's care and she's always embodied that for me and my siblings and even now in the face of this pandemic in her small little apartment on the screen by herself. She keeps on. She keeps living the faith and maintaining calm and peace and sharing hope and smiling and loving and keeping on through thick and thin with a grace and with a strength that could only come from God's presence. My mother embodies every day and always has sort of this quiet, wholesome confidence that exudes God's presence, God's care. Jesus says, do not be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe enfolded in God's abiding care. You are. We are. That's the message for today, for tomorrow, for always. We know it's true. We know it's good. Our challenge is to live into that and to keep living into it. That's my challenge. That's your challenge. That's our calling. Keep living into this promise and presence. Let's Today, hear afresh these wonderful words of Jesus. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe. Jesus' way of trusting and serving reminds us that our lives are enfolded in God forever. Let's keep growing into that. And let's keep loving and serving from that. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we believe. Help our unbelief. Keep shaping us and molding us for wholesome life, enfolded in your care, serving you forever. Amen.